0: The Production Expert Podcast is brought to you with the kind support of Arturia, Avid, Source Elements, and RSBE Audio Solutions.
1: Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast. I'm Julian Rogers, and in this week's edition, I'm joined by Stian Orgadol of Akon Digital. So, uh, Acon Digital, we've got lots to talk about here. Um, a brand that I've been paying increasing amounts of attention to just because just because uh, um the products have been uh, have been presenting themselves very favorably in some stuff we've been doing on the on the podcast which is which has made me go yes this is this is interesting and something that's worth talking about so it's good to have you here in person uh, before we start talking about the uh, brands and products and the stuff that we're, we're going to get to a little bit later, I think we should probably um, talk about talk about you and the company and how you went from wherever you started to where you are now uh, a little bit of backstory probably. so um, how did you get into developing software um, and why was the software that you ultimately chose to develop audio software? I mean are you a, are you a musician is that your background Tell us.
2: Well, my uh, interest in computers uh, started quite early, actually. Uh, when the family bought an uh, Oracle One, that was a British uh, home computer from a company called Tangerine Computer Systems, um, and it was quite rare, so there wasn't much software for it, uh, as opposed to other brands like Commodore and stuff. So uh, we basically had to do de- code yourself to get anything running. So that uh, I started uh, coding then in Basic, and that was the beginning um, of my coding uh, career so to speak and uh, I've always been interested in, in music so I started playing in a school band when I was a kid uh, where I played the trumpet and eventually I started learning piano when I was around 13 and uh, these two interests kind of emerged into, into a single interest when the family bought an ADDA converter card that was uh, prior to Sound Blaster and those kind of uh, that kind of equipment, so um, yeah. that basically allows us to uh, to record audio. Although the card was intended for industrial usage, uh, we managed then to, to uh, hack it somehow and, and actually record audio with it. And I found that so interesting and wrote uh, a piece of software for it, which eventually became Acoustic as
1: you know it today. Oh wow. I mean, that's that's interesting what you're saying. I mean, um, uh, talking about uh, the the Oric one, which I have to say I don't remember, but it was kind of a contemporary of that first first wave of um, microcomputers. They were called, weren't they? Everyone was talking about micros uh, in those yes. days. Um but exactly. it's it's interesting. There's a, there's a whole generation of of people, and, and um, I should have been one of them, but honestly, I was a little bit too lazy. I was I was Spectrum um a okay. 48k spectrum um <laughs> and which i was extremely excited to get back in 1980 something or other um only to be enormously disappointed when i i found out how limited the sound uh sound capabilities were in it there was a, a beep command in <laughs> in uh uh, in, in basic and a tiny little speaker on the underside that was probably the size of a small coin that did exactly what the beep command said and i mm, i was well, hoping well the Oracle had had sat and exposed and quite a bit oh what wow. get hours. you okay no it was beep it was it was very mean indeed in the, in the Sinclair world but i suppose what i'm saying is there was a, there's a whole generation of, of of people who who went into programming and and ultimately into 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 coding kind of you know stuff that stuff that we we might use today from those very humble beginnings, and I suppose it was that thing about you got a computer in those days, and you just went, "What am I going to do with this?" Because all I've got is a flashing little command prompt, and it's down to me. And am I going to type out this program that's printed on paper in a computer magazine? I mean, is that is that where we were?
2: Yeah, exactly. So uh, I did do some fair amount of that too, just reading uh, the codes of the listings in, in papers and yeah. uh, routing that into the computer, and, and you learn quite a lot of that way.
1: And, and I suppose that that unforgettable sound of uh, FSK coming off a cassette. While you're uh, <laughs> frequency shift keying, I believe it was, but yeah, that kind of uh, unpleasant sound of, of, of uh, what, exactly what stuff sounds. Like. Oh, fantastic stuff! No, it takes me right back. Um, you're talking about uh, very early sound uh, sound cards as well. I mean, pre Sound Blaster. That's going way back. I mean, my first uh, my first card was was a was a Sound Blaster, but this opened up a whole world of uh, you can do stuff with actual audio. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean. Uh, uh, Something putting a uh, do you put a do you put a year to that you you didn't actually did you when are we talking about that must have been I don't know early 90s no that must have been yeah exactly uh, wow
2: 1990s fantastic fantastic. thereabouts
1: um we, we we took rather longer over that answer than I was expecting but absolutely you're talking to me on that stuff about that kind of first wave and all those programming tools that exist now that to encourage kids and young people into into programming, it's 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 much more fun now. You know, I mean, have you seen the Lego kits that you can get that you program up? If that, that would probably yeah, it's <laughs> so amazing these things that
2: they can do. Although, all the other I think kids they expect so much because there's so much awesome things, so many awesome things around. And then they start coding themselves, and it's just hard to get. You can't really code a, a game. That's it's not instant gratification, similar. is it? No. It's- so, so I think it's to some extent it was. Probably easier back then because we didn't, simply didn't have the expectations that kids have now. Fewer
1: distractions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we should talk about Akon, though. You formed a company. Um, uh, when did that start? What was the first product? Um, tell us about the route into, into, uh, into business as opposed to, uh, I don't know, should we call it pleasure? I don't know. <laughs> A hobby, at least. No, so uh, the company was actually founded by my father,
2: also AS, uh, yes, as it was called, uh, was a consultancy business. That my father founded back in nineteen eighty seven, actually, and uh, I started coding on the side, as I mentioned. And uh, eventually, in nineteen ninety four, Acoustica one Sierra was ready, and uh, the, my father's company was there, so it was kind of convenient just to use that company to, to try to sell the software. And that's what I did. So, uh,
1: oh, I see. Uh, so, the, so the vehicle was there, and you and you created the product, and the, the natural home for it was uh, was Icon because it, you had preferential access to Icon. Yes,
2: actually, <laughs> and you had all the I had the accounting, and I was still in high school, so it's kind of difficult to start up uh, and complete a completely new company, and, and it was sort of like a side project. So that's why uh, I didn't
1: found a new company for it. So, so Icon before. The release of Acoustica, Akon's business was principally what?
2: Was well, doing uh, consultancy in as uh, sort of, uh, offshore engineering like uh, platforms and stuff like
1: oh, that. Oh, wow, so so, so, so grown-up stuff. Right, okay. Exactly. <laughs> not like we are doing. Wow, wow. <laughs> it, it's, I don't know why. It kind of reminds me. It's, it's not the same, but it sort of reminds me of this story about how the... Atari ST became established as a as a computer for music. I think the story was that somebody who was quite high high up in the development of that computer spoke to their teenage son, I think it was, who said, "Well, have you thought about putting MIDI ports on it? Because like MIDI's cool, and they would not <laughs> heard of it." And from that, it gained the connectivity which enabled all of that stuff to happen. So you know, it's it's yeah, like I say, it's not the same, but it's uh, it. It's well, it, an amazing it have... story.
2: I didn't know that.
1: I, um, I I may have got it wrong. That's that's what I recall from hearing the story. But it, it sounds it sounds plausible. So yeah. It's probably right. (laughs) That's as accurate as I'm going. Ever wondered what it's like to mix an entire album for Kanye? Or layering vocals for Chris Brown? Join your hosts Cash and G every fortnight as we sit down with some of your favourite artists, producers and engineers to talk everything music. Brought to you by Avid Pro Tools. That sounds great. We should talk about Acoustica because I mean, I, cards on the table. I, I've never used it. I do lots of editing of audio. I, I do it all within Pro Tools, just because of familiarity. I spend most of my time in Pro Tools, and if I can do it in a tool that I'm familiar with, then uh, of course, why wouldn't I? You know, why? Why confront a, a learning curve, however shallow, if you can uh, if you can walk around it? But <laughs> I mean, years ago, I used to use dedicated audio editing software uh the, before the computers i was running were capable of doing more than stereo anyway so it kind of it was a bit of a false distinction to be honest but um what am i what am i missing by not using acoustica well i personally
2: like uh, the concept of a, of a single uh, track editor you have uh, better accuracy for instance so if you what's well, so if you have full control of the waveform that's actually being played back if you use acoustica you can zoom into uh, obviously the sample each sample level but you can even you even see the the waveform that's uh, being played back if, if the uh, DA converter is working properly. So you see the the uh, the output waveform with anti aliasing, and you can see overshoots if you have these intersample overshoots and stuff. So it's uh, it's kind kind of you get a better better picture of what's actually going on. Mm. Um, and you have things like spectral editing, uh, so you can. Select regions in, in time and frequency in the spectrogram, and, and uh, apply effects only those regions. That's really useful when you do restoration stuff, mm. especially. Um, yeah, so uh, and the workflow is nice if you. Also, in my <laughs> world, it's a better workflow. I think when when you work with single tracks, because it's uh, yeah, you don't have any uh, abstractions from the work you're doing. And uh, it's perfect then for, for brushing up clips and repairing the uh, mm-hmm. yeah, repair work. Um, and nowadays I think you can also get kind of the best from both worlds when you, uh, due to uh, new technologies like, like ARA2, where you can embed it, you can embed the acoustica kind of seamlessly into the, the
1: host that you're using, uh, as far as, as long as the host supports ARA2. The spectral editing thing is something that, I mean, I have to say it's, um, it's not something you need until you need it. I mean, I <laughs> totally get that. It was an interesting conversation I had about um, we would we would talk, some Pro Tools users talking about Pro Tools, and and somebody suggested the the um, the idea that um, what what would you think if, if that was available within Pro Tools on the on the timeline? And I was like, well, that's that's an interesting idea, and you know, it's not something that I find that I need in what I do, but I can totally see how some people it would be really really useful.
2: And that's something actually that we try to push a bit because oh, okay. <laughs> in that direction of course they uh, they haven't have an support hmm. but it's uh, limited to uh, to this ceremony's um, software
1: what I was going to say is that is that um of course with things like uh, ARA it's a um it's it's not an either or choice um the round tripping that that Pro Tools has particularly been so used to with using something like I don't know, you know some audio suite connect type workflow and and round tripping and everything yes yeah that did to get to you yeah it's like um uh, the less effort it requires to to access a tool the way more likely to use it and and the more you use something the, the, the more familiar it becomes and the more useful it becomes definitely
2: so do, do you hope that's the avid will add that and then we'll be we already happy around
1: i can't see a reason why why they'd why they'd stop with um solemnity i completely understand why they'd start with solemnity because if you talk if you're looking at the story of how ara came came into being it's kind of like well yeah okay i get it but um as i understand it and i mean i i realize uh, that i'm talking to you who's far more involved in this stuff and more directly than than i am but uh, these are these are it's it's a double ended operation of if it's not something that avidad it's something that avidad with a with with the uh, part they're working with to bring the integration between the two pieces of software
2: no i think that that's the goal uh, and they're working on it but it's uh, yeah it's it uh, would be great if if uh, it came soon and then uh, it will open up Quite a few new opportunities, I think, for people working in portals because you will have it there on the timeline.
1: It, it's something that takes some experience to 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 learn to read. I mean, it's it's when you think about how skilled you get at at, at reading a waveform, uh, just a, a regular amplitude waveform, and then suddenly you're seeing frequency represented in 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 a a format. And um, yeah, it, it takes it takes familiarity to get good at interpreting that stuff. And the longer you spend with that stuff, the better you get at it. Definitely. Okay, so, I mean, in terms of spectral editing, as I said, it's not something I'm super familiar with. It's not something I spend a lot of time in. But it's amazing for spotting certain artefacts. For example, if you've got uh, if you've got sixteen k wine going across all of your audio, you may or may not notice it. I don't know if you're just listening to the audio, but if you bring it up on in a uh, in that kind of spectral view, you'll spot this ruler straight line going across your audio and go, oh, "Hang on, what's <laughs> going on here?" I, I'd put it over to to you, sort of briefly. And um, what what would you sort of hold up as being kind of like um, some of the advantages of accessing audio with that kind of visual feedback? What kind of tasks do you find users? Um, gravitate towards.
2: Well, especially when it comes to editing, you you, ha- you have the uh, uh, option to to uh, focus the editing on a short on a selected uh, region. Then, in, in, in frequency and time, mm. that makes it less prone to artifacts because you'll have the, obviously have the <laughs> artifacts where you do the actual processing. Um, and as you say, it's much easier than to, to spot, especially these kind of digital artifacts and, and, and the um, yeah, frequency lines that you see in the, spe- in the spectrum. And stuff. it's easy to spot and you can see it. So
0: I it, uh, see a huge benefit on, in having it, actually. Achoria has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the Audio Fuse Creative Suite is included with all Audio Fuse audio interfaces. Visit Achoria.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use.
1: As I said at the, at the beginning of the uh, of the podcast, um, I've, I've become Extremely aware, <laughs> relatively recently of of Acon's uh, Acon's products because they've done so well in some tests that we've run on the on the blog. They've been performing really, really well, and and, and clearly this is a rapidly developing area. Uh, in terms of what's possible and what isn't. And I, I still categorize things as being kind of possible or impossible anyway, which we might return to. <laughs> and loads and loads of stuff that I, I think of as being, not being possible is very possible now with this current generation of tools. So, I mean, in terms of just uh, some of the things that traditional tools just can't do, <laughs> uh, can you tell us anything about the process involved in this? You know, uh, there's an element of AI in here, for example. I mean, uh, tell us about, uh, about what's changed in the last few years uh, about what we can expect expect to achieve?
2: Well, uh, artificial intelligence uh, has made a huge impact on those kind of algorithms lately, Um, and uh, that's the technology behind uh, our extract dialogue and and deverberate plugins. So these tools are basically trained on on huge amounts of recordings, uh, clean recordings, and then recordings with uh, either noise, traffic, anything you want to remove, basically. Or stuff like reverb that you don't want to have, Um, so you train the computer to to separate between the the wanted audio and the unwanted audio, and that's been a huge success. And is yeah, you can that way you can do things that were previously thought of as impossible. Um, And we actually started cooperating with a company here in Oslo called uh, Soundly, Um, and they offer a huge uh, sound effects library. Um, that is well recorded and perfectly tagged. So it's, so it's really well as, as training data for us. So oh, we have worked okay, together yeah, yeah. To, to train all our AI tools. And uh, even founded a new company together called Hans, uh, Hans.ai, that will that, uh, offer this technology for all the licensing partners. So Acon will still do the post-production stuff as, as usual, but uh, there's a... Uh, a need for these kind of tools uh, in other areas, uh, like communications, and
1: mm. yeah. So, so in that case, I mean, you you need a, a large dataset to train um, uh, t- to train this uh, AI with. But of course, it's not just having like a load of raw stuff. You need to you need to presumably know know what's in there so that you can. D- direct in some way uh, what's going so playing playing in examples of, of what traffic noise sounds like or what um, exactly so
2: that's why you need this uh, a tagging mechanism and that's what uh, since it's an audio effects database you know what's traffic obviously so you can pick up all the traffic noise there we
1: go that, you see there's something new that had not occurred to me for how does that kind of natural um uh uh, correspondence between uh, what's somebody who's connect, collecting and cataloging sound effects, and what's somebody who's training an AI engine. Th- those two things are, are definitely two parts of the same thing. Yeah, no, interesting, very interesting indeed. Something that uh, somebody said to me the other day that I thought is that true? Is you know you get these, um, uh, is it what's it called, recapture? Where you to to uh, prove that you're not you're not some kind of bot uh, online, you have to click on a grid of pictures pointing out all the and very often it's traffic lights, you know, the thing that I'm talking about. Yes, that's true, yeah. And and he said, you know, they're just doing that so they can train self-driving cars, don't you? To rec- and I was thinking, surely that's not right. But I thought, actually, I don't know, really. So, you know, it was an, interest, it was an interesting thought. I, don't, I suspect that that's not quite true. But I thought, there, I bet there is some kind of process like that that needs to happen with any kind of uh, AI process. So, well, maybe. Yes,
2: I have actually read that they use it for training. I'm not quite sure how, but it's... Uh... Yeah, I, I yeah, honestly, <laughs> yeah. don't know. But uh, it, it seems a be. little
1: bit seems. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. I'd, I quite trust the self-driving capability of a car that was uh, that was trained by people well, clicking on
2: pictures. I would <laughs> never trust a self-driving car here, no oh, way. Yeah. When the snow, again, it's snowing as always. there <laughs> no is that, way. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, so, I mean this <laughs> this previously impossible processing is really accelerated. C- can you comment on on how things are developing? Where you think we might be going with with uh, AI training up? some computer to do some clever stuff for us. I mean, uh, what, what are you seeing that's uh, that's caught your attention? And uh, any future gazing, maybe?
2: I think we're just at the beginning, um, and we're starting to see what's possible with AI. And uh, there are a lot of things going on, like generative AI. Um, I think many have already seen stuff like DALL-E uh, 2 and stable diffusion for images. And uh, we'll probably see uh, similar things then for for audio, uh, just uh, creating music, uh, just by typing in, in text or sound effects. If you need you know, special sound effects for your for your video, you could just type in what you want, and and uh, the computer will generate that audio for mm-hmm. you. Um, and also automation of rather tedious tasks like uh, like the spectral editing that you can do now, uh, where you have to be kind of accurate, where you when you select regions and stuff to, to only uh, attenuate the sound that you don't need. You, uh, I can imagine that that thing will be much and you can uh, make a much coarser selection just painting cautiously over the thing that you want to remove and then the computer can regenerate audio in the whole region based on, on, on the surroundings uh, to much more, effect, also much more effectively than what's possible today using the same technology
1: uh, that's that's interesting just because I mean I always think of Photoshop when when I <laughs> when I get into spectral spectral editing just because I mean uh, um, there's various ways that you can select areas in in what is effectively an image <laughs> um, it might represent something that isn't an image but you're looking at a bunch of pixels on a screen effectively and um, it's it's like the, the you know sort of like the magic wand tool in in Photoshop and the the methods of selecting stuff in in Photoshop or other similar products... Uh, uh, has, has come such a long way. And to some, somebody who's slightly old school with their stuff like that and uh, uh, is used to kind of making selections based on tolerances around a particular parameter, be it, you know, luminance or colour or something, maybe across different channels, there's little tricks you can do. And then somebody shows you, no, no, you, you just say extract background and it goes poof when it's gone. And it's sure. like, hang on a minute, what? I've wasted so much of my life, why didn't someone show me? <laughs> so you're saying similar kind of approaches to this, but to sound and... Uh, on uh, spectral displays where you're saying, I just want that noise and it'll figure out the irregular shape you'd have to create to capture all of that without leaving too much of the things that you wanted to exclude without having to do this laborious. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Where do I sign? Absolutely. (laughs) Um, okay, so I mean, anything else uh, that you think particularly worth highlighting to do with the uh, kind of previously impossible audio tricks uh, made enabled by, uh, by by AI?
2: Yeah, I think in terms of uh, in terms of noise reduction and reverb uh, reduction, uh, that is really possible to get even closer to the really clean uh, studio sound. Uh, and uh, a way of achieving that is just uh, is to to resynthesize the speech. So. Instead of uh, trying to, to eliminate the noise, you can um, kind of doing if, if you can imagine doing uh, uh, speech to text and text to speech <laughs> backwards again, mm. uh, but just using, obviously not going to, to, to pure text, but doing uh, like a uh, shortcut somewhere along that route, then you can get really clean. Speech out of uh, such a system, and uh, there are a couple of uh, products doing this all, already. With their, yeah, they have some benefits and uh, they do some strange things also. So it's uh, not always the perfect solution, but it's, um, yeah, it's is a way of doing it that will probably get better and better all the time. And then it's, uh, it's an interesting approach to.
0: The Production Expert Podcast is made possible using Source Connect Now from Source Elements, the free way to record high-quality audio over the internet. Need to record an interview or a podcast like this one remotely? With Source Connect Now, you can. Using a Chrome browser, you'll get ISDN-equivalent quality audio without the need to install any additional software. Register for your free
1: account at now.source-elements.com. Um, We should talk about the cloud um uh, cloud-based applications for audio processing we've seen a few of these recently um we've been keeping our eye on this area for uh, for uh, well i mean at least a year or so but um there's been some some more stuff coming to market um where people are uh, uploading audio problem audio to uh, to a company's service and they're doing the processing up there and then sending you back the results um there's there's some issues around that for particularly for pro workflows i mean i know that some um, in in post, particularly, they they can be extremely sensitive about having uh, having stuff connected to the internet for uh, you know very sound business reasons. Um, I, I mean, I, I, what's what's your take on 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 that and sort of where uh, where the where the, uh, where the most appropriate path forward lies?
2: We definitely have uh, customers from post production that have uh, huge issues with uh, uploading audio, mm. um, and uh, especially those who. who uh, Cater for for a professional streaming market. The huge, uh, yeah, you know, those uh, big providers also, uh, video of video of, of movie streaming, uh, they are very concerned about security, so they lock up their computers and, and don't want any kind of internet access at all. Um, so for those customers, we definitely need a local solution. Um, and there's another issue uh, also when with regards to to, to the, the intellectual property when when you upload audio, Um, I think you have to be sure to read through the fine print carefully. Um, As we talked about earlier, it's uh, really important to have training data when you train AI. And uh, yeah, uh, you see many places that you actually um, give away your audio for for training purposes when you upload. And there's been a no that this has, happens for certain voiceover artists, for example, that the, that the voice is actually being used and for to train, train um, artificial voices, etc. So uh, that's a bit of a pitfall that users should be aware of.
1: That's an interesting point. Yeah, yeah, very much so. If that if that is your product, and then you're giving it to the people who can duplicate it.
2: Exactly. That's uh, oh, not a no, so good. idea.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: And another hardly mentioned topic is actually the power consumption of these cloud data centers because uh, there's uh, there's been a recent discussion here in Norway, um, and they have so many uh, also not yet approved data centers, but people that want to construct these data centers in in Norway because we have uh, plenty of used to have plenty of of, of clean energy, uh, hydro power, but then uh, the total amount of all these data centers uh, would actually use 20% of the total. Uh, electricity produced in Norway, so uh, that's an environmental aspect with uh, having all the services in the cloud too.
1: That's that's an astonishing number. I mean, I, I've I've heard this, and I've always I've always kind of sort of questioned the numbers that I hear um, because I mean, obviously, a data center is 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 full of is full of computers getting hot, and a load of equipment keeping computers that are getting hot cool. So um, uh, it's uh, uh, I can see I can see how the um, uh, how the demand works and and how power hungry those things might be. But I also I've always wondered about about scaling and economies of scale and kind of like okay if this works going on all this processing is going on is that more efficient than people doing it at home on their own machines? But I mean twenty percent of a of national uh, electricity supply is is pretty astonishing and i mean i know how um uh how well well placed um norway is for for clean energy i mean absolutely but uh, that's a that's a real shame to use all of that energy on 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 uh, on data centers I, I take your point completely interesting stuff yeah,
2: so it's at AK Digital, and uh, together with Hans, we try to focus on, on, on lightweight models that can be deployed locally uh, to avoid that uh, pitfall. Um, and it's uh, better for security and the environment then.
1: Okay, so I mean, are there any interesting success stories or, or sort of interesting use cases you can share where, where Acon Digital Software has played like a key role uh, in the production of a particular project? Are there any kind of like real lifesaver moments that you can share?
2: It's actually been used in quite a lot of music production. So uh, I think you probably have to be have to uh, have lived under a rock uh, if you haven't shared any music process with the plugin from making Digital. But it's um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to to say any names there. But uh, there's one project um, for a movie called The Innocence, a Norwegian movie directed by Eskin Fogt, And it won the European Film Award for best sound, and that was uh, Trilaj, at least according to the sound designer, who's called Gisle Taito. Um, he used a lot of our uh, very immersive plugin, um, which has uh, a special way of uh, handling panning, and uh, that kind of changed his workflow and uh, was really important to the sex- success of that uh, project. So That's really nice to hear as a developer, obviously.
1: Um, it's, it's making me think actually that um, uh, there was a very successful film. I, I live in Cornwall uh, in the UK, out in the far southwest, and uh, there was a very successful independent film called *Bait* um, that was uh, lots of lots of people loved it. It was um, it was made in a very traditional way, uh, and it was it was shot on film using um, all in black and white using a 1976 um, clockwork Bolex camera. Um, which uh, gave a, a very labour-intensive way of working. There's some commitment going on here. It uh, gave a maximum of 28 seconds per take, apparently, <laughs> which would have uh, affected production. But the other thing is that, because it was a clockwork camera, um, it, it, it was far from quiet. And I think that did rather push uh, production sounds uh, out of the picture a little bit, and, and an awful lot of stuff would have had to have been done in post. And I'm just thinking, if there was a preset on, a, on an Acon product that just remove the clacking and whirring of a <laughs> 76 Bolex off, off all my production audio. I think that would have found a home on bait. So there we are. <laughs> um, well, before we we get on to uh, final of the week, we've just got time to finish um, uh, with uh, a question I like to put on whenever we've got anyone from a brand, which is, can you share anything about future developments at Akon Digital?
2: Sure. We are working hard on, on XFacts Dialog 1.5, which will be a free update for, the, for existing customers. And uh, as you're probably could expect we really improving the models and uh, getting better numbers out of it when we do the testing. So we look forward to that one. And also the Acoustica 7.5 uh, is expected then uh, around uh, August, September. Um, so uh, we'll add a lot of uh, workflow improvements. We've been listening to customer feedback there, uh, more and better AI tools. And uh, we've added support for Whisper, which is a uh, speech recognition model developed by by google um which is free to use for commercial software so we have added support for that as well so you can actually do speech recognition inside the like, and then do auto cap- uh, captioning and we have oh, an wow. audit trial so that you can get a log of everything that you've done um, and uh, added a new music rest- restoration tool that i won't uh, go into in details but uh, there are a lot of cool new things coming at least
1: Oh, fantastic! Okay, interesting stuff with the whisper thing, especially because I mean, this is something that occurred to me when, um, was because we're seeing such improvements in text to speech and speech to text, and that does seem a uh, sort of an obvious application of just being able to being able to do sort of all those captioning and pr- presumably dialogue search and all sorts of things will start to be much more reliable and widespread in in the software that we use. But uh, and the audit thing as well, interesting. Um, we we kind of uh, times marching on, so we should we should go on to. Uh, fun of the week. RSPE Audio Solutions
0: design, sell, and install professional audio and video equipment. Their team are available by phone, live chat, or email to receive and process orders. They have everything you need to build or upgrade your home studio to ensure you can continue to work from home. If there is anything they can do to help, reach out or shop online at rspeaudio.com.
1: So, uh, Stan, what's your find of the week? Well, what
0: I found was uh,
2: Music LM from Google Research. That's uh, similar to what we actually discussed earlier in this podcast. Um, And uh, it's a tool where you can generate music from text. So you can type in what kind of music, what kind of style, the genre, BPM, anything. And it generates the music for you. And um, it sounds partly in areas but also really amazing for, for some kind of styles. so it's uh the first time that i've heard something that i can imagine being actually useful you know, there have been a couple of attempts doing something similar mm. before but this uh you really see that it's this is getting somewhere for some other genres
1: i you you shared this with me in advance i had a listen and it was it was um, astonishing and slightly horrifying, both at the same time. <laughs> but, yes. uh, but some styles, yeah, totally, I can see it working. Some of the stuff didn't work quite as well, I have to say. But, uh, but yeah, it's, um, I suppose when you've got something that's, that's kind of rule-based, like music is... And the more uh, helpful your language is to describe what it is that you want um, for generating kind of, you know, stings and uh, little eye dents and stuff like that. I can see that working. I remember, do you remember years ago? Um, I think Brian Eno was involved in a project called Cohen Pro. It was a piece of software that was like a generative ambient music generator thing that kind of like right back in the 90s. It's yeah, like a bell. that yes. Mm, I Yes. I remember having having on a on a disc, it's like a the front of a magazine somewhere. And it was an interesting one just because uh, um I could see how it could work because you had something that was based around rules and, and and the other one that I think really, really adheres to this is dance music. So if you're doing any kind of sort of like EDM type stuff, you can you can you know pretty much bring this in, bring that in, da da da, you gotta break down, you've got to drop, you got and you I can totally see how you could how you could create that according to rules. But some styles could yeah, a little bit more challenging really isn't it so
2: definitely yeah uh, i shared share uh, an example with you uh, pretty well from, from uh, like swing uh, yeah yeah the was, jazz one was jazz, particularly yeah it was not very really successful <laughs> yeah yeah they,
1: they're going to continue well, to make as little money as they've been making for years yeah yeah <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, mine—that that was a really interesting um, uh, paper. And I mean, anyone who wants to check it out would—we'll put a link to that in the uh, in the podcast notes. But mine was something I just stumbled across, uh, and it's a company called Benny Dub Audio, which I had not come across before. Um, who make the most fantastic uh, um, uh, hardware, for, uh, and they—they they make a delay that was just. Um, absolutely built for dub effects and i i love delay i really do it's just kind of like you know something to do instead of being like creative or working hard just slather delay all over stuff and it becomes awesome so you know there we are (laughs) (laughs) this is a digital this is a digital delay but it's got analog filters and uh, and it does you know some useful performance friendly control set and that's really what it was that struck me about it and why i thought it was a cool thing so you've got things like uh, i remember back in the day with an old boss rack mount delay we had in the first studio I was in and uh, and it had um, uh, multipliers and dividers for delay times, so that you could like tempo match stuff, uh, and then um, and then divide it up or down, or, and then do multipliers up and down by one point five, and you know all that kind of stuff is really really useful stuff when you're trying to find those kind of just perfectly uh, perfectly just off the grid kind of uh, delay effects that can be uh, so inspiring. So yeah. Anyway, Benny Dub Audio, cool. uh, electronics, digital echo. Checks that one out. That. Cool. Anyway, that's all we've got time for this week. Um, thank you to my guest, Dan. We'll be back next week with another edition.